In this true crime series, we're investigating 10 crimes that we read about in the Bible. We're exploring the who, what, and why of each crime. But more importantly, we want to learn how the Lord God responded to each of these crimes, as well as what we can learn from them. But before we get to today's episode, I want to thank those of you who support Time of Grace by engaging with the many different kinds of Bible content we offer, by telling your friends and relatives about Time of Grace, and by financially supporting the work we do. Thank you from all of us at Time of Grace. Okay, let's get started. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. Have you ever heard of the phrase femme fatale? It's a French phrase that literally means fatal woman. A femme fatale is a seductive woman who lures men into dangerous or deadly situations. The femme fatale is a prototype character that appears throughout history. You can find femme fatales in mythology, literature, and more recently in detective novels and 20th century classic films. Historians suggest that the femme fatale character prototype dates back to Greek mythology and Chinese legends. In this episode, I'd like to introduce you to one of the most famous femme fatales in the Bible. Her name was Delilah. We learn about her in Judges chapter 16. She hailed from the valley of Sorek, an east-west river valley about 14 miles west of what would eventually become the city of Jerusalem in King David's day. On the north side of the valley of Sorek was the land of Israel, the tribe of Dan specifically. On the southwest side of the valley was Philistia, the land of the Philistines. So, who were the Philistines? Although they lived in the southwestern part of Canaan, they weren't Canaanites. According to the prophet Amos, the Philistines originated from Kaftor, which is the Egyptian name for the island of Crete, located smack dab in the eastern half of the Mediterranean Sea. The Philistines were a powerhouse maritime people who had immigrated to the Middle East mainland as early as 2000 BC. Genesis chapter 21 tells us that during the life of Abraham, he lived among the Philistines for a time. Now back to Delilah. The name Delilah is a Hebrew word meaning weakened. But we don't know for sure if she was an Israelite or a Philistine. You see, the name Delilah may have been her given Hebrew name, but it could also have been a Philistine pseudonym since she was responsible for weakening her victim. So let's first meet Delilah's intended victim, who was also a criminal himself in many ways. His name 
was Samson. His story begins in Judges chapter 13. The chapter begins, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for forty years. During the period of the Judges, which covered about three hundred years of Old Testament history, the Israelites lived through a repeating cycle that went something like this. A period of faithfulness to the Lord God, then a period of unfaithfulness when the people worshipped other gods, then a time when the Lord God allowed an enemy neighbor to oppress the nation of Israel, then a period when the Lord sent a rescuer, a judge, to deliver Israel which then led to another period of faithfulness. The cycle repeated about a dozen times over three centuries. So, for four decades, the Philistines oppressed the Israelites because Israel had forsaken their covenant with the Lord God. After 40 years of Philistine oppression, the Lord God decided to send a rescuer. The angel of the Lord announced this future rescuer to the woman who would give birth to him. Now, we aren't told her name, but this is what we know about her and her future son. A certain man of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son, whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now there's a lot to unpack here. First, let's talk about the town of Zorah. Zorah was located in the Sorek River Valley, the same general area where Delilah lived. The valley was in a hilly region and the climate was arid. In Old Testament times, Zorah was best known for its vineyards and its wine. It kind of reminds me of the vineyards along the Columbia River in Washington State, which is also a hilly area with an arid climate. And the Columbia River Valley is also known for its exceptional wine. Now, let's get to know a bit about the future mother of Samson. She was married to a man by the name of Manoah, and they lived in Zorah. Manoah's wife was not able to have children, but Manoah's wife received a special announcement from the angel of the Lord. Although she wasn't physically able to have children, she would give birth to a baby boy. This was a special blessing, one she shared with a few other women in the Old Testament, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, and then one woman in the New Testament, Elizabeth. All of these women of the Bible were unable to have children until the Lord God stepped into their lives and gave them a miracle baby. It was, quote, the angel of the Lord who appeared to Manoah's wife. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is a reference to the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. 
And if you want to learn more about the difference between the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament and an angel of the Lord in the New Testament, check out my podcast episode entitled Angels. It's an episode in the Storyline series. Now, the angel of the Lord told this future mom that she was not to drink any adult beverages during her pregnancy or eat any unclean food. Sounds like good advice for a pregnant mom. But there was more to it than just the health of her baby. The angel of the Lord indicated that her son was to be a Nazarite, a word that meant one set apart. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, we learn that being set apart involved three parts. The Nazarite was to be separated from anything unholy or unclean. He was to be separated from other people for service to the Lord God. And he was to be separated for a specific length of time. In this case, the angel of the Lord gave specific instructions. The boy was never to have his hair cut, never to consume adult beverages, and never to come in contact with anything unclean. Lastly, the angel of the Lord indicated that this boy would deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines over the course of 20 years. As the angel of the Lord had indicated, the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan, between Zorah and Eshtaol. It's important to note that the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in Samson, indicating that Samson was God's chosen rescuer of his people. One of the blessings Samson received from the Spirit was incredible physical strength. Samson would use this God-given strength to help rescue Israel from their Philistine oppressors. His superhuman strength would also become the cause of his downfall. When Samson became an adult, we discover that he was not the faithful judge and rescuer that the Lord God had called him to be. In fact, of all the judges, Samson was by far the most disobedient, undisciplined, reckless, and immoral. As far as him living his life as a Nazarite, he failed in every way possible, as we'll soon see. Yet despite Samson's reckless behavior, the Lord God accomplished his divine plan to rescue Israel from the Philistines through Samson. One day, Samson went to the town of Timnah, located about four or five miles west of his hometown of Zorah. There he saw a young Philistine woman. Based on only seeing her one time, Samson went home and told his parents that he wanted to marry her. <laughs> Reckless. His parents replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Instead of listening to and respecting his parents, Samson arrogantly barked orders to his father, Get her for me! Reckless. Instead of listening to the angel of the Lord who wanted him to inflict God's justice on the Philistines, Samson instead wanted to marry one of them. 
reckless again. To arrange for the marriage, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. So here we have the first recorded event of Samson's strength. He tore apart a lion with his bare hands. In Old Testament times, Asiatic lions roamed Israel. Asiatic lions are a bit smaller than their African counterparts, and they have a shorter mane, but a powerful lion nonetheless. The biblical author also makes sure to mention the source of Samson's strength. It was the Spirit of the Lord who empowered Samson to tear apart the lion limb from limb. Sometime later, when Samson went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Nothing wrong with eating a little honey, right? Wrong. The honey was in the carcass of the dead lion. Nazarites were forbidden from touching anyone or anything that was dead. Reckless again. Some interesting things happened at Samson's wedding celebration. The Philistines presented Samson with 30 male companions. Apparently, somebody wanted to keep a close eye on Samson. Samson then arranged for a feast. Now, the word translated as feast is derived from a Hebrew word that means to drink. Archaeologists have discovered that Philistines liked their adult beverages, both alcohol made from grapes and grain. As a Nazarite, Samson was forbidden from drinking wine or any strong drink. Now, the biblical text doesn't say that Samson joined in the drinking, but his lackadaisical attitude toward marrying a foreigner and touching a dead animal suggests that he really didn't care about what he could or couldn't do as a Nazarite. Not only was the wedding feast the time to party, it was also a time to match wits. Samson made a bet with his 30 companions. He said, let me tell you a riddle. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, the 30 companions couldn't figure out the riddle. On day four, they revealed that they weren't going to play fair. They went to Samson's new bride and told her, Coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Wow. Sounds like the terrorists who live today in that part of the world. 
Out of fear for her and her family's lives, she convinced Samson to tell her the meaning of the riddle, which she then shared with the 30 companions. Long story short, Samson paid the wardrobe bet, but not the way the Philistines would have expected. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down thirty of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home, and Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. In retaliation for his father-in-law giving his new bride to his best man from the wedding, Samson caught 300 foxes. With each pair of foxes, he tied a torch to their tails, set it aflame, and let them loose in the grain fields of the Philistines, destroying the harvest season crops. Now, in retaliation for what Samson did, the Philistines killed his young bride and her family. In turn, Samson killed many of them and then left the valley of Sorek and hid out in a cave not too far from Bethlehem. The Philistines were not pleased with Samson. I wonder why. So an armed group of Philistines went to Judah to look for him. When the Israelites learned why they were there, they formed their own armed group of 3,000 men and went to find Samson. Samson allowed himself to be bound with new rope, and the armed group led him to the Philistines who were camped at Lehi, which was located in the hills west of Bethlehem. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Once again, the Spirit gave Samson his power and strength. The place where this took place became known as Ramoth-Lehi, which means Jawbone Heights. Sometime later, Samson went to Gaza, the southernmost city of the five major Philistine cities, far from his home. And there he visited a prostitute. And again, this was not the kind of behavior the Lord God wanted from his chosen rescuer. People of the town recognized Samson. And so the city leaders posted a guard around the brothel and locked the city gates. Their plan was to kill Samson at dawn. But in the middle of the night, Samson snuck out of the brothel and dismantled the city gates. He then carried the posts and doors of the gates to the top of a nearby hill. Imagine the reaction of the city leaders the next morning when they saw that the protective gates of their city were missing. Well, it's time to investigate the other criminal in our story, our femme fatale, Delilah. We read from chapter 16. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength, and how we can overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. 
Each one of us will give you eleven hundred shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. This was an offer Delilah couldn't refuse. Now the relationship between Samson and Delilah wasn't one of marriage, nor was it prostitution like Samson engaged in in Gaza. It can best be described as Delilah becoming Samson's mistress. Three times Delilah asked Samson to tell her the secret of his strength and how to overcome it. Three times Samson told Delilah the supposed secret of his strength. The first time Samson said that seven cords needed to be used. The second time he said the rope had to be new. The third time, and, and somewhat bizarre, Samson told Delilah that if she wove his seven braids of hair onto her loom, he would lose his strength. But each time Samson immediately got free. Each time Delilah felt like a fool. On the third time she said, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. The Old Testament's most famous femme fatale finally dealt a fatal blow to the man with whom she had an intimate and illicit relationship. Knowing Samson's secret, Delilah summoned the Philistine rulers. They came, shaved off Samson's hair while he was sleeping, and subdued him. Samson actually lost his strength because the Lord God had left him. Sadly, Samson didn't realize it. He thought that he would escape this time as he had done in the past, but he didn't. The Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, put him in bronze shackles, and took him down to Gaza. There Samson would grind grain in a prison. The mighty man who burned the grain fields of the Philistines was now making flour for their bread. But that's not the end of the story. The Lord God would yet rescue Samson's life and work. The occasion was a celebration by the Philistine nobility and rulers. They were celebrating the victory over Samson, which they believed was accomplished by their god, Dagon. They had Samson brought to the celebration so that he could perform for them. Now, we're not told what the performance was. Maybe it had something to do with testing his strength. We, we just don't know. But what happened next was evidence that Samson was a changed man. He prayed to the Lord God, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might 
and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. Samson addressed his prayer to Yahweh, whom Samson recognized as being sovereign, like none other. He asked for strength one last time so that he could finish his life doing what the Lord God had called him to do. Samson died a better death than the life he had lived. Isn't God's grace amazing? Repeatedly throughout his life, Samson lived a disobedient, undisciplined, reckless, and immoral life. Yet in the end, the Lord God called him back to repent and to put his trust in the Lord once again. And he did. We might not expect it, but Samson is actually listed as a hero of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And that wasn't Samson's doing. It was because of the grace of God. And that same grace is for you and me. Don't ever forget it. True Crimes, Bible Edition 2. In our next episode, we'll open up the New Testament and investigate the crimes of a man whom Jesus called friend. If you have any comments or questions regarding this episode or any other, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.